welcome to the Money Wise Women Show, brought to you by MoneyMorphosis.com. Are you ready to be inspired to upgrade your financial skills? Listen to feminine leaders sharing practical advice and valuable insights. Shift your money mindset, improve communication skills, and learn financial management tips. Although we do not provide investment advice, you can check out MoneyMorphosis.com. That's money morph com to find simple ways to boost your true wealth. Welcome. This is Crystal Arnold, your hostess of Money Wise Women and founder of Money Morphosis. Today's show is sponsored by the Flower of Life Press, providing progressive publishing options for change makers and voices of transformation. They are publishers of the book, Pioneering the Path to Prosperity, Discover the Power of True Wealth and Abundance, available on Amazon.com. You can find out more at www.floweroflifepress.com. I've been on this journey of exploring what money is ever since uh, getting a job in a bank in 2005. So 14 years ago, I began to wonder, what is money exactly? How is it created? Uh, what kind of relationship uh, do we each have with money? And, and how do the systems of money, how can they better serve all people and the planet? And it was uh, around that time when I read uh, the book, The Soul of Money, written by our guest today, Lynn Twist, and it deeply influenced my thinking about money and what is possible when we move from scarcity to feelings of sufficiency. And it has inspired millions of people around the world to rethink uh, philanthropy and how we share money and how we affect change that is meaningful in the world. Uh, Lynn Twist has been a pioneer for over 40 years in creating these conversations that heal our relationship to money. And she's really worked with a variety of global leaders, including the Dalai Lama um, and as well as tribes at the headwaters of the Amazon, Amazon and refugee camps in Ethiopia. And she just really has influenced uh, many people. And we are so pleased to have her share her wisdom with us here today. And so, like I said, she's really been recognized as a global visionary committed to alleviating poverty, ending world hunger, and supporting social justice and environmental sustainability for over 40 years. And as I said, she's the author of the best-selling award-winning book, Soul of Money, Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Life. And so with her on-the-ground work, she's really brought a deeper understanding of people's relationship with money. And her breadth of knowledge and experience has really led her to profound insights about the social tapestry of the world and the historical landscape of these times that we are living in. And she is founder of the Soul of Money Institute and has worked with over 100,000 people in 50 countries in different board retreats, workshops, keynote presentations, in coaching in the areas of fundraising with integrity, conscious philanthropy, strategic visioning, and creating a healthy relationship with money. In 1996, Lynn and her husband, Bill Twist, co-founded the Pachamama Alliance, which is a social profit organization whose mission is to empower the indigenous people of the Amazon rainforest to preserve their lands and culture, and then take, she's used those insights 
from that work to educate and inspire individuals everywhere to bring forth a thriving, just, and sustainable world. What a great way to start off the new year here is hearing your inspiration, Lynn. So appreciate you being with us here today. I'd love to begin just by hearing from you. What do you find most exciting about the work that you do? Well, thank you for having me on this show. I really appreciate that. Um, well, let's see. Uh, we're having this call at in December, which is the end of a really important year in in uh, in the United States in human history. The hottest, one of the hottest years on record. Um, uh, the global warming is completely happening. It's not something in the future. Um, I live in San Francisco, where we were really uh, tragically. Uh, a witness to the horror of fires in Northern California and Southern California, not here in San Francisco, but even 200 miles to the north where the fires were taking place. The smoke was so intense, the biggest and most horrendous wildfires in history of our state um, made it almost impossible to breathe in in San Francisco. There was the, the, the air was filled with smoke and particles and it was just, it made it so real, this, global warming, what we're doing to ourselves and our, our planet and future generations. So I'm, and it really woke us up. Um, you know, we're all working on that all the time. However, when it impacts you personally and you can't breathe, then you really, really get it. It's not theoretical. It's physical. It's biological. It's emotional. It's ontological. It's spiritual. It hurts. And so what I'm really um, excited about, even though it sounds terrible, is that we are now unequivocally facing global warming, which we can, in fact, reverse. And as someone working on environmental and social justice issues, the good news, the revelation that we can reverse it, not just mitigate it, not just slow it down, not just be scared to death of it, but reverse it, that we created it and we can reverse it, is one of the most exciting things that I've ever heard in my lifetime. And Mm. so... um, that's one of the things that Pachamama Alliance is working on. And I hope everybody who's listening um, has the opportunity to, to get involved in what's called drawdown, which is taking carbon out of the atmosphere faster than it's going in. And that's, there's a hundred, a hundred solutions and they're all in a book called drawdown. And I'm super excited about that. And of course, as I, I know this is a money, money um, show, uh, that we can do it, that we can finance that, that we can live at a time when human beings can not only recognize the immensity of our own power, but the power to reverse the mistakes we've made, which is true in all aspects of our lives. Um, it's a huge teaching and really powerful feedback from the great mother herself, uh, Pachamama. Mm. So that's yes. what I'm excited about. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, I, I've participated in both uh, the drawdown uh, events here in Southern Oregon and and the Pachamama um, uh, symposium, um, awakening the dreamers, and just feel like that is uh, something I appreciate about your uh, your work is is bringing people together to really become more engaged citizens and and find their unique uh, way to participate in creating a better world. And so I'm curious, uh, you know, at this pivotal time in, in history when it really does feel like all hands on deck and, and let's, uh, let's be wide awake in, in our actions, uh, what, what message do you have for people listening, feeling like uh, they, they are uncertain about, about how to get involved given the immensity of the problems? Um, well, first of all, it's important to realize that um, resignation and apathy and there's nothing I can do and I can't make a difference is the is our enemy as human beings that is um and we all have that i have that sometimes sometimes i wake up that way um it 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 is really important to realize when you have those feelings when you have those thoughts that's actually the the darkness that we need to bring the light to because it's just not true every single human being makes a difference every choice we make impacts the lives of future generations for a thousand years. And 
rather than that being a burden or, oh, God, that's too much responsibility, I say it ennobles one's life. It makes your life even more meaningful. And so to educate yourself and learn about what you can do and what your role could be and what your role already is, is enlightening. It's uplifting. It gives you meaning. It gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you, uh, it, 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 as I say, no, ennobles your life. That's a phrase from, from Pachamama really comes from Bill Twist, the CEO. So um, all of the people listening to this program, I say, have a role to play. And um, the programs, the Pachamama Alliance, the Awakening the Dreamer Symposium, the Game Changer Intensive, the drawdown course um, that we do, all of those programs are free, available to anybody. Um, two of them are online, and you could, you know, when you get off this this phone call, you could start right now learning what is yours to do that in a way that's inspiring and uplifting and not depressing and upsetting, but rather, you know, facing the music in a way that uh, you see what's, what music is yours to make. So um, I, I really just encourage people to find their voice, find their way, find their, uh, their place in the great turning, which is what's happening right now. Even though, you know, in our own country, there's so much violence and there's so much sadness and, and tragedy with global warming, but also with our political toxic environment. This is a time when citizens, just regular folks, really have the opportunity to exert our, our, our power. And it's, it's, it's almost, you know, a gift to see that the government is so dysfunctional that it, the government's just not going to do it for us. And, you know, as much as we would like that to be true, it's just not. No matter who's in charge, the government can't do what civil society can do. So really what individuals do, what you and I do, the way we live our lives, the choices we make, that is what changes history. Nothing else. Gandhi was not a, he did not run for office. Martin Luther King had no position of authority. Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, these are just citizens who took matters in their own hands and changed the direction, the course of human history. And so I, I just know that in small ways, in big ways, in medium-sized ways, if we realize that we are key, we are the key, that it changes everything. And the way we use our money is key. You know, so much of the devastation, the destruction is fueled by our financial choices, what we buy, where we buy it, where it was made. Um, you know, trying to buy everything on the cheap often ends up enslaving someone somewhere or destroying an environment somewhere. And if you pay attention to, to the way you use your money, that's a huge, huge step forward for um, for making a difference with your life. So I, I don't know, I'm, I'm going on and on, but um, we all have a role to play and it's such an epic time in human history. So thrilling to be alive at a time when the choices we make really do impact the long-term future of life. Mm, so true. Very well said. I've, uh, I find there's such power in people coming together to talk authentically and honestly about money, uh, especially because it is such a taboo topic. And um, I see that you have a couple of workshops coming up um, uh, with the California Integral Studies um, in, in March, I believe it is, uh, and about transforming your relationship with money. And I'd love to hear from you, like, why it is so powerful for in-person groups of people to really transform their relationship with money? Well, I think all of us have a lot of anxiety and suffering in our relationship with money. And um, most people think that that anxiety and suffering is because they don't have enough of it. I mean, that just seems so logical and obvious. And, you know, if you just had more, everything would be fine. But actually, I am here to tell you that if you had more, things would be better. Yes it would ease some of the stress. But at the same time, I have had the great privilege and challenge of working with some of our global billionaire families, billionaire with a B. And they are just as upset and anxious and tortured about money as you and I are. It does not go away. The suffering is in the money culture, and then we personalize it. 
The suffering is in the beliefs that we have about money as a culture, and then we personalize it. The suffering is this hope and kind of false promise that more money will make everything better. And yes, it is wonderful to increase your salary. It is fantastic when your ship comes in. It is excellent (laughs) when the stock market or an investment or a, um, a business goes your way. So I'm not denying that. At the same time, we put so much importance on that. We've made that the purpose of life. We've made money more important than human life, more important than the environment, more important than God or spirit. And we all know that that's a lie. And it's a cultural lie. I say the money culture, the consumer culture, the material culture is filled with what I'm calling lies, which is a strong statement and a strong word. But it's a cultural condition of false promises that has us by the throat. And when we uh, really look, we've become, you know, kind of hijacked by it in a way that we've lost track of what's really meaningful to us, what really is the source of well-being or the well of being in our lives, which is our relationships, our experience of love, our, um, our, all the friends we have, the privilege it is to be healthy, the gift of the natural world, uh, the opportunity to, you know, have some freedom to uh, follow any faith or any practice and to put um, money in the background empowering all of that rather than putting all of that at the feet of our financial life. So we have it kind of backwards and that's part of the problem, but also the culture of money, the material culture I say is riddled with lies and, you know, the lie that we're consumers rather than citizens. Nobody's, everybody's a citizen. That's who we want to be. He or she who stands for the well-being of the state, the, the, the community, the, the region, the world. The word consumer means he or she who takes, depletes, diminishes, or destroys. Yet now we call ourselves consumers, treat each other like consumers, are marketed to as consumers, even our political leaders size us up by our consumer habits, what we take, deplete, diminish, or destroy. And yet we, 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 we're kind of caught in this belief that that's who we are rather than we're citizens. Citizens are people who stand for the well-being of all of it, including the natural world. And when we rise to that state of real truth about who we are, citizens rather than consumers, then we only take what we need. We don't take more than we need. We actually realize that the lies in our culture, and as Buddha said 2,000 years ago, the source of all suffering is a lie. And the source of the suffering in our relationship with money is a lie. We really have come to believe that money will solve everything, and it, and it, and it really will not. And, of course, it's a wonderful thing. And I need to say that it's great to have an expanded sense of your financial well-being. But the big lie we tell about Money is the life scarcity, and it's a unconscious, unexamined belief system that there's not enough to go around, and somewhere someone's going to be left out, and we want to make sure it's not you or yours or whoever you or yours uh, you think it is or me or mine. And this divides us between an us and a them, and then we do things at the expense of each other for money, then hoping that someday we can help the people we did Uh, whatever we were doing at the expense of, but we have to have way, 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 way more than we need to actually become philanthropic. And so this kind of syndrome of having to have more of everything, the marketing and advertising uh, that tells us we're not okay until we acquire this and then that and more of this and more of that is, is like a prison that we're living in that has us so anxious, so upset, so almost needy, when in fact, if you stop that siren song of more. If you let go of this belief that there's not enough to go around, you've got to get yours uh, and take care of yours, whoever they are. Um, And just pay attention to what you already have. Let go of that chase and turn your attention to what you already have. Nourish what you already have. Uh, Make a difference with what you already have. Love what you already have. Be grateful for what you already have and share what you already have. That is the source of true prosperity. 
that is what makes what you have already expand. And it's the principle of sufficiency. If you let go of trying to get more of what you don't really need, which is what we're all trying to get more of, it frees up oceans of energy to make a difference with what you have. When you make a difference with what you have, when you nourish what you have, when you share what you have, it expands before your very eyes. And a shorter way to say that is what you appreciate, appreciates. What you appreciate, <laughs> appreciates. So that's mm. a few things that I think uh, might be useful for people in their relationship with money. Yes, I, I, that really struck me after reading your book, uh, Soul of Money, was that call for sufficiency and understanding um, this this deeper sense of well-being. I feel like re, um, p- part of my work has been redefining wealth. You know, I studied economics was my undergrad degree. And, and uh, then when I became a mother eight years ago, I realized, wow, there is a lot more to life that is not measured by money. And I began to look at wealth as well-being um, and, and look at not only our financial wealth, but also there's inner wealth, relational and environmental wealth. And I call that the true wealth uh, template. And I know a lot of people like Rianne Eisler um, are working uh, to bring more qualitative measures to people's quality of life. And I'm wondering if you could speak to the importance of, of redefining wealth. Yes. Well, I love that you asked that question because one of the things that I, um, that I like to say is that the etymology of the word wealth is well-being and another way of looking at well-being um, is the well of being that is infinite in every single life and if you meditate or if you're someone who's involved with prayer or um, really tapping into divine energy uh, or even the the incredible bounty of the natural world the kind of infinite capacity of the natural world to recreate itself and and flourish. Um, That's the well of being that is always waiting for our attention. And that's actually true wealth, I think. Um, We don't prosper for more. We think we do, but we really don't prosper for more. When When we acquire more and more and more, it eventually leads us to lack and we need more again. And then that is a, a temporary high And then that ultimately leads us to lack, and then we need more again. But when we go through what I call, instead of the portal of more or the doorway of more, when we go through the the portal or doorway of enough or sufficiency and really deepen our gratitude or our gratefulness or what I call the gratefulness of the experience of life, that actually generates an experience of natural bounty and the experience of gratefulness or gratefulness or enough overflows into what I call natural abundance, not excess, but natural abundance. And when you're in the state of natural abundance, you experience profound prosperity and profound prosperity actually generates a longing to give, to serve, to share, to contribute. And that's actually an experience. It doesn't have much to do with an amount of anything. It's a state of being. And that is true wealth. And, you know, we've all heard about or know people who live in complete and total joy and happiness who have very little. You know, one of the greatest teachers I've had is Brother David Stendhal Rost, who's a 91, 92-year-old monk. He lives in a monastery in Austria. He has no possessions. He's uh, the living embodiment of gratefulness, writes about gratefulness, has a website on gratefulness, gratefulness gratefulness.org, and is uh, constantly teaching the power of gratefulness. And no matter what's happening in your life, if you stop and look at all that you're grateful for, it's an instant transformation. It's an instant transformation from stress, from anxiety, from challenges that look in, in insurmountable. Um, And so this experience of sufficiency or enough, rather than the constant 
kind of subduction of more uh, really does lead you to what I call true wealth, which is the experience of well-being, which is access or your attention on the well of being that's already there in your life. And then sharing that. It's amazing that sharing and contributing and serving gives you an experience of your own fullness, your own bounty, your gratefulness, rather than taking or acquiring or accumulating. You know, I, I, I like to say, I want to be known for what I allocate, not what I accumulate. Um, and that is a rich and prosperous life. When your life is about what can you allocate, what can you share, what can you serve, what you, can you contribute, um, rather than what can you acquire, accumulate, take, or hold or hoard. Mm. Yes. Oh, very, very wise words. I feel like, um, you know, essentially the economy is a place where we can come to care together to care for one another, to have our needs met, to, you know, share our gifts with the world. And I feel like creating a more intimate economy where people aren't just, um, you know, kind of... Um, replaceable commodities uh, will really help to heal society. I feel like there's so much loneliness and isolation and we're just humans searching for belonging and acknowledgement and appreciation for what we're bringing. And um, I wanted to share what what we've been doing. I work with the Post Growth Institute and we've created a, a live event uh, called the Offers and Needs Market. And it's been incredible, Lynn, facilitating these over the last couple of years. And it's basically people coming together for about two hours and sitting at small tables of six to eight people. And they're people are coming together to identify and exchange all of their different passion, knowledge, skills, and resources. And in a really safe uh, process, able to, to get more confident, to feel like they have value to bring and, and also to express their needs, which as you know, can be very um, vulnerable and, and challenging to do. And, um, so I'm curious uh, your thoughts on on the offers and needs market and why uh, this may be very powerful at healing our money stuff and, and bringing people closer together. Oh, I love that. That's just fantastic. How long have you been doing that? Um, well, uh, Donnie McClurkin started experimenting with this about uh, five years ago, and then uh, I've run about a dozen of them, all different sizes from small groups of 12 to over 100 people. And yeah, it's like creating a space for synchronicity and connection to happen. That's just beautiful. Well, I love that. I mean, you know, I really do think that there's something... Um, very important taking place right now that is shifting our relationship with economic model that we've been trapped in. And it sounds like that's much of what you're doing. And uh, groups like, um, well, I'll just say the shared economy, you know, it's, uh, it's now uh, funny to talk about this because Lyft is about to go public and Uber, these, these shared economy businesses boomed in no, no time at all now are getting a little bit greedy, I must say. But uh, when you think about the shared economy like Airbnb, um, Uber and Lyft, people using their own resources uh, and sharing it with other people and being compensated for that is a new idea. It's a new frontier. It's a new kind of economy. The word e- economy and the word e- ecosystem come from the same root. They, 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 that means home. And um, one of the things that I always like to remind us is that um, now that we are using more resources than the planet can regenerate, and we have been doing that since 19, the mid-1980s, um, ecologists and economic, um, economic forecasters said in the mid-80s, once we went over the what's called the one earth line, using more resources than the earth can regenerate. We started using the earth's capital. Uh, It's like a credit card we can never pay back. And now we use something like 60% more than the earth can uh, regenerate. So we're living 
on an ecological credit card we can never repay, and we're in ecological debt. And the economists and ecological uh, forecasters in the 80s said within uh, about 20 years from 1987, we would have a huge financial crisis. And sure enough, in 2007, we did. And that the source of that, even though it looked like it was Wall Street greed and the mortgage crisis and all kinds of derivatives, which did absolutely play a huge role in the financial crisis, Ecologists say that the base of our financial crisis, which we haven't recovered from truly because all we did was borrow more money, is ecological debt. And the economy is reflecting our eco-debt. So our economy's in horrible debt. We are the richest country in the world with the largest debt in the history of the world. And so our economic system is designed to produce debt. Uh, every dollar that comes into existence comes in with interest attached. So there's always less money in circulation than there is owed. So we're living in a deficit culture, a deficit society. Um, we have the largest debt in the history of the world in the United States, and we just keep borrowing more. And um, it looks like it's a horrible fiscal policy, which it probably is, but it's also a reflection of ecological debt. And until we live within our ecological means, we'll continue to go into economic debt. Now that's on the large scale, but it's also true in our lives, in our, in our, our, our personal lives, that once we um, learn how to live within our ecological means, our finances will follow. And so I think what you're doing and any um, attempts to pierce through this economic system that has to grow or it'll die um, to kind of rethink the way we're living economically, I think is healthy. Even this um, cryptocurrencies, which are a little bit crazy and now so speculative, um, there's something there trying to get born, which is probably what you're working on. And I really appreciate hearing about it and love that you're, um, that you're moving things in, in a direction that is fair, that's responsible, that's about sharing resources rather than accumulating them, and that is about um, having people recognize the consequence of their actions. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And our, you know, few, uh, many people don't understand that, the foundation of debt and the growth imperative of our <clears throat> modern economic system and how that must change to continue to uh, to live on this planet within ecological limits. And, and that's a lot of the work that we are doing at Post-Growth Institute. And uh, I feel like there is so much opportunity for um, greater connection, right? You probably see this um, maybe in your workshops. You could share a story um, of, of connection. I see it all the time when I get people together to talk about money. There's a sense of relief once they get through the shame and the guilt and the fear that, that keeps them from talking about money. They can realize they're not alone in it. So we, when we can speak our needs in the offers and needs market and realize everyone has them, and, and when we can uh, get more open about our relationship with money, I, I just find it's such a great portal for, for a personal transformation. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious what, if there's any story from your own life or what you've seen about people's transformation with their personal relationship with money. Um, well, gosh, uh, I've seen, you know, real miracles. I, I actually, one story that just occurs to me right now, um, and this is, a, this is not so much about, like, related to the Post-Growth Growth Institute work you're doing, but I just want to thank you for that. Just, I got to bow to you for that. that. We need that so badly, and I really appreciate that you're at work on that, so thank you for that. Um, I have a... a, a a practice that um, that uh, helped people in their relationship with money, and I had a woman come to me who was in serious, serious, serious credit card debt, and she had she was a single mom with kids, and she just kept charging more on her credit card and then paying the minimum, 
every month. And so her credit debt was just, it had, it ballooned to $150,000 and her, her salary was something like 45,000. So she was just in terrible, terrible shape. And she was, she couldn't sleep. She didn't know what to do. She was just a wreck. And when she walked into my, um, in my environment, she walked in as a person so heavily in debt that she almost like her posture, it's almost like she was, you know, bent over with it physically. And, um, so I said, the first thing we need to do is I need, I need to have you do something for the next seven days that will seem like it has nothing to do with what you're, what you came to talk to me about, but I promise it'll, it'll make it possible for us to go to work. And I want you for the next seven days between now and the time you come to see me next week to acknowledge and celebrate every human being that comes across your path in some way. So when you, you know, go to the, the drugstore or the, or the grocery store and you're at the checkout, checkout counter, think of something you can say to the checkout woman or man that validates, affirms, and celebrates them. Um, you know, thank you for being here late at night or uh, I love the way you did your hair or thank you for being so efficient with my goods or something that acknowledges them. The taxi driver, the person at the cleaners, the, uh, every single person that comes across your path Make a contribution to them in some way that acknowledges, affirms, and celebrates them. And see if you can do that for seven days. Just, just give it a go and make a, make a promise to me that you'll do the best you can to do that. So she, she left kind of like, why am I doing this? But okay. And so she came back a week later. And what had happened with her when she came back? She was a different person. And what had happened was when she came to me the week before, she was her debt. She was $150,000 in debt. It's not like she had that debt. She was that debt. It was who she had become. It was her conversation. It was her constant thoughts. There was no separation between her and this thing called her debt. When she came back a week later, having done this practice pretty rigorously, she was her own human being who had debt. <laughs> so she was a, an intact, whole, complete human being with a measure of kind of gratitude for her health and well-being in her life. And she was pretty happy and pretty buoyant and pretty, con- pretty, pretty much herself. And then she had $150,000 worth of debt. So the debt didn't go down, but there was someone to work with, if I can make that clear. She had, be, she had let go of having her financial burden be who she was. And then we went to work on her debt, and she whittled it down. In three years, she was debt-free and was beginning to save again. Um, but first, she needed to separate herself, her well-being, her wholeness, her completeness as a human being from this thing called her debt. Then she was available to work on it. And I tell you that because a lot of times we collapse our financial circumstances with who we are. We actually call ourselves a poor person or a rich person. We actually, you know, use labels that say we're middle class or working class or rather, and that's not who we are. Who we are is a whole and complete person who lives in a certain set of financial circumstances. But the circumstances might poor. The circumstances might be rich. The circumstances might be middle class or working class. Who we are is a whole and complete person. And those are our circumstances. So to separate your own wholeness, your completeness, your love, your capacity to cherish yourself as a treasured being from your financial circumstances, and then your financial circumstances are what they are, but that's not who you are. And then you can go to work on changing them or having them grow or having them be uh, used more, uh, more fully. So she was such a beautiful example of that that I wanted to tell that story. Mm. Thank you. I find that stories like that are so empowering for people to hear who may be struggling in their own ways with money to just uh, realize that it, it 
can and will shift and, and transform. And it's really an inside job. How we shift our beha- uh, behavior comes first from our beliefs and our attitudes and our emotions about it. And uh, that was a great example of, of that, um, that really shifting for her. Um, Let's take a moment now to hear from our sponsors. We'll be back in just a minute to find out more about what is happening for you in this new year, Lynn. Welcome to the Sacred Path of Prosperity. Sister, you are a prosperous, divine woman. It is your sacred birthright to receive the most delicious riches and live in the energy of infinite abundance, where how you feel about you decides how much money you have. Money is, after all, just another form of divine love. Your passport to prosperity is here now. Flower of Life Press presents Pioneering the Path to Prosperity. Discover the power of true wealth and abundance. In this potent collaborative book, 25 feminine leaders share raw and real stories of their rise from scarcity to prosperity. Join us on the path and let's do this together. Get your copy of Pioneering the Path to Prosperity on Amazon today and know that a portion of the proceeds is being donated to the Pachamama Alliance. Learn more at floweroflifepress.com. Gosh, I'm so curious, Lynn. You've been at this for decades. You were really a woman, a pioneer um, in in this field. And um, I'm curious. It's almost it's going to be 2019. And just want to hear more about what where your work is going this year and uh, tell us more about what you see is possible for for the world. Well, um, I'll just say that the um, the the work of the Soul of Money Institute continues to be liberating people in their relationship with money, and we have online courses. Um, that are very reasonable, several of them. We have meditations people can do. Um, and uh, we have a, 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 a fairly high-end program called The Remarkable Women's Journey, uh, where we spend 12, uh, sorry, six months with 12 women really looking at having already remarkable women uh, leap to the next level of their remarkableness uh, in a world that really needs uh, women's leadership. Um, with Pachamama Alliance, um, we're working on very uh, deeply and profoundly on pro- protecting the sacred headwaters of the Amazon rainforest and putting this particular area in permanent protected status. And at the same time, we, um, uh, out of the insights we learn from the indigenous peoples of the Amazon, we continue to proliferate these educational transformational programs around the world, the Waking the Dreamer Symposium, the Game Changer Intensive, the drawdown course, which is about how to reverse global warming. And we're uh, in the development of a course on democracy, how to really claim democracy as our own and have our democracy work for us rather than be, um, be controlled by concentrated pools of money and power. Um, so I'm excited about all of that. And I'm also excited about um, the, uh, the fact that it's now time uh, to face the Millennium Development Goals, which have been committed for 2030, uh, to really look at how each one of us can be forwarding those Millennium Development Goals. There's 17 of them. You can go on the UN, uh, I'm sorry, um, Sustainable Development Goals, excuse me, Sustainable Development Goals, uh, um, UN SDGs. Um, uh, There's so much opportunity now to turn the world around. And given the, the kind of breakdown of our own democracy in the United States. As I said earlier, civil society is the way through. There's millions of what I call social profit organizations, podcasts like yours, people on the radio, people on, on the net, people on the television, people on the phone, people on, on um, all kinds of incredible technologies working to turn the tide, to shift our attitude, to shift our greed into generosity, to shift our fear into love, uh, to recognize that it's really up to us as uh, as global citizens to have this world be the world that we want and to um, really receive the feedback from the great mother, Pachamama uh, herself, the um, a- absolute 
honest feedback she's giving us about the way we're living with global warming being the feedback that we need to have that wakes us out of our trance of consumerism and, um, and being kind of crazed all the time, frantically trying to accumulate. And um, I'll just say that going to Brother David's site, gratitude.org, and looking at some of the sayings and teachings that Brother David has is always helpful for me to slow down a little bit, to recognize that I'm loved and my capacity to love only deepens. It does, it's not scarce. It, it actually expands every single day. Uh, that I'm grateful for every single uh, friend that I've ever had. And I'm grateful for the lessons that I constantly get in life that um, keep me from falling off the step. Uh, and being in communion with people like you, Crystal, who are um, making sure that the, the messaging that comes across our technologies is not angry or vitriolic or finger pointing, but rather responsible, loving, empowering, uplifting, and transformational. And they're uh, as, as, as large as your audience is, or whatever your audience is that's listening to this, um, there's also you know, thousands, probably millions of other uh, people on the web really spreading uh, the, 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 the power of, of now, the power of our capacity to be the authors of the future of life. So um, I'm excited that 2019 people are more conscious. Um, I would watch, ask people to watch for on uh, right around the first week of January, Nicholas Kristof, the great journalist, um, writes an editorial in the New York Times, and I would watch for this, uh, all of you, that says, um, it's always headquartered, head, headlined, uh, 20, it'll be 2018 this time, but last year it was 2017, is the best year in the history of the world. And then he talks about why. And I'm sure he'll do that again in 2019, saying 2018 was the best year, year in the history of the world, and he'll talk about why. You know, less people hungry than ever before in human history. Average incomes rising, particularly for people um, in the lower registers, dramatically. Um, this is cured. That's been cured. Uh, fewer wars than have ever been fought in the history of the world. This is what he said last year. And you can look up last year's online if you look at uh, 2017, the greatest year in the history of the world. Um, and we don't hear the good news. We only hear the bad news. But the good news that you proliferate, Crystal, and that you, you and I can proliferate more of is really important in 2019, really important as we head towards 2020. And we have true vision uh, for the future of life. So those are some of the things I have to say about next year. Mm, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's so enlivening to see people stepping up into uh, their authority to author a more collaborative, generous, generative um, culture where uh, we are caring for um, each other and where there is uh, genuine appreciation of each person's unique gifts and capabilities that they bring forth. And I feel mm -hmm. like uh, really a, a lot of poverty is, is uh, created by this disconnection, by, by this, this connection with each other, with the earth itself, our own disconnection with our spirit. And, and I feel like we are coming into an era where that is, that is being healed and we are beginning to uh, regenerate what, what has been poisoned and, um, and just bring new life into uh, ancient ways of being, as you know, from working with uh, the tribal people of, of how we can collaborate and cooperate and, uh, and really contribute to each other in meaningful ways. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for uh, the, what you're bringing forth. And uh, are, are there any closing thoughts you'd like to share? Um, well, just gratitude for you and what you're doing and what you're standing for and the way you are um, uh, doing your role in changing our economy or transforming it um, and providing um, voices for people to listen to that are um, pointing, uh, pointing, uh, uh, the, pointing out the possibilities of life. So, that's really what I want to thank you for. And to, you know, um, 
there's this wonderful phrase from my friend Tammy White. She says, we're always practicing something. And it's such a wonderful phrase because, you know, if you're always late, you're practicing being late and you get better and better at being late and better and better at giving an excuse for it. But if we recognize that we're always practicing something and that we are conscious about what we're practicing, then we will practice bringing the best of ourselves to every moment in life. And I suggest that we practice gratitude, we practice sufficiency, we practice generosity, we practice keeping our word, and we practice uh, the constant commitment to give and receive love in every interaction. And when we do that, our lives are rich, really, really rich. We live in in a sea of well-being. And that can be supported by our financial life. Uh, but it isn't dependent on our financial life. Um, and when we're in the sea of gratitude, um, the, the miracles that come our way are um, in many ways inexplicable and in many ways so obvious. So um, I suggest gratitude. I suggest sharing. I suggest serving. And I suggest, particularly at this holiday season, um, generosity. Hmm. Thank you. I love your eloquence and and, uh, fierce determination for bringing forth sufficiency and love and generosity and compassion. Uh, Just really thank you for shining your light for all these decades and still bringing it so strong here in the new year and uh, reaching so many people. Thank you so much, Lynn, for uh, being here today to share with us and may everyone listening be inspired and uh, check out soulofmoney.org if you'd like to uh, get more information and you can sign up for uh, weekly uh, emails from Lynn with more inspiration. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve. 